0: Good morning. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We are glad that you are here with us today. Pastor Keith made an announcement last week that uh, if we have announcements that need to be shared in our service, that is something that we will begin doing at the end of our service starting this week. Um, And so I just wanted to let you all know that there are plenty of announcements in the bulletin, both on the inserts and in the information in your bulletin. Uh, There was information on the screens, Um, and if you have any questions about any dates or anything like that, we would be happy to give you that information. Uh, We are glad that you are here with us today. Uh, We would invite you to take a look at your order of service that you received on your way in. There is a tear out that is on that order of service. If you are a guest, we welcome you. We are glad that you are here with us today. We would invite you to fill out the information on one side of that tear out and to place it in the offering plate as it goes by later in our service. We would love to be able to connect with you and to welcome you further to our church and to our community and we are glad that you are here today. On the back of that tear out is a place for prayer requests. If any of you have something that you would like members of our staff or other members of our church to be in prayer for, or if you would like that prayer request to be placed in the prayer room, uh, we would invite you to fill out that side of the tear-out and to place that in the offering plate. Uh, we are glad that you are here with us today, that you have chosen to worship at Boiling Springs Baptist Church. I will now turn it over to Keith and to Roger and to others as we begin our worship this morning. We're glad you're here.
1: David writes psalm of thanksgiving in Psalm 100. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God, and it is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name, for the Lord is good and his loving kindness is everlasting, his faithfulness to all generations.
2: lifestyle that honors God by learning about missions, praying for missions, giving to missions, doing missions, and participating in the work of the church. Some of the things I like about GAs is we learn about missions in other countries. We occasionally have GA lessons at McDonald's, Gardner-Webb, and Broad River Greenway. We have visited the Pregnancy Resource Center in Shelby, Aaron's Children's Home, and we have gone on many retreats. I would like to thank my GA leaders, especially Barbara Lale, for providing these experiences for me
3: good morning i was asked to say a couple of things about uh ras and we have me and hunter have the little ones this year and uh you know they they learn about missions but they learn about other things too and uh and they wanted me to tell you about their first mission this year It goes along with the food pantry, and I know you guys probably remember it. Uh, We got to talking about kids. You know, all kids have birthdays. Well, if they don't have food, how can they have a birthday cake? So their mission was to create birthday bags and they put collection boxes up and these kids drew little pictures and they stuck them to the box. And um, I think we ended up making somewhere around 18 to 20 birthday bags. And, uh, you know, they had cake and icing and candles and plates and cups and napkins and all the stuff in a birthday card, all the stuff this child would have needed to hopefully start their birthday off right. And in the RA world, the magazine, you know, every week there's a lesson about missionaries and as I said, we, we do all that, but we like to instill other things too. And The definition of an ambassador, and we've talked about this with our kids, it's a person who acts as a representative or promoter of a specified activity or person. Now, you know, we've got these little seven and eight-year-olds, but We're trying to instill them the importance of them at seven years old. They're an ambassador for Christ. And by that definition, you just heard how important an ambassador is. So we try to learn some other things, too, as well as missions. Thank y'all.
4: Just as a reminder, next Sunday will be the in-gathering
5: for the offering for Heck Jones, so um, you want to remember that for next Sunday morning. Our hymn is number 146, Oh, How He Loves You and Me, 146. If you are able, please stand and join in singing.
4: I invite the children to come forward for Lesson on the Steps. All are welcome. Hello, Jude. How are you today? Are you good? How many of you see what I've got right here? What is it, Jude? Teddy bears. Teddy bears. Do you have a good imagination? Uh, yeah. yeah, okay. Well, I sit right here next to you. There you go. Good girl. Well, I want you to sort of pretend that Miss Ellen's teddy bears are lambs. Got that? Okay. Because our story today is about a shepherd and he is taking care of his sheep. A shepherd counts his heads every day. How many of you have to go to school or to daycare and when you line up, they go one, two, three, four, five, six. They have to count to be sure all of you are in line, don't we? Now, the shepherd got ready to go back, take his sheep in one night, and he started counting, and he didn't have a hundred, James. What happened? Did he lose one? Well, I think I've lost one out of my basket today because, see, I don't have enough. Can you be my shepherd and see if you can find me a lost teddy bear lamb? All right, I want you to go down that way and see if you can find me. Look down, look in people's hands and see if, or look sitting on a pew and see if you can find me a lost lamb teddy bear. Look hard now. See if somebody has picked up. (laughs) Did you find one? Yeah, you did, didn't you? So he's not lost anymore. So you put him back where he belongs. Well, see, that's how we are with God. He counts our heads every day. And he wants us to be sure that we are safe and comfortable. He doesn't want to lose us. He always protects us. And he always counts on us to be there. And our scripture says, he, suppose you were one of a hundred sheep and you lost one. Would he leave and not take care of his sheep? No, he wouldn't. Just like he won't stop taking care of us. He would go out in the country and he would find that sheep before he left for home. God would look for you. God takes care of you. You are special, very special. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you take care of these children. Take care of those who aren't with us today, Lord. And if they are sick, and if their family is having a hard time, please be with them. Let them know that you are with them and they are not lost. We are thankful for all their families and for all of those who could be with us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.
0: Good morning once again. We are glad that you are here with us today. Uh, If you take a look in your bulletin at the bottom, uh, we mentioned that February is our month where our church celebrates 28 days of love. Uh, Our church congregation and different groups in our church have been encouraged to reach out to businesses in the area and to show our love to our community and to our church family. One way that we are asking the church to do this here within our own congregation is that you may have seen on the bulletin that you received that there was a red sticky note that is in the shape of a heart uh, that you can find in your bulletin. Hopefully you have not uh, put your gum in it or written notes to your family members during the service. But we ask that you would write a prayer concern on that sticky note. Uh, if you have done that this morning, if you haven't, there is still time. We encourage you to write a prayer concern that is in your heart and to place uh, that in, the, in a basket uh, that uh, is passed while the offering plates are passed. Uh, that will be placed on a board down here outside of the sanctuary. And we ask that if you place a red heart in the basket, if you place a prayer concern in the basket, that you would also pick up a different prayer concern, don't pick up your own, but pick up a different prayer concern so that you can be in prayer for someone in our congregation throughout the week and someone can be in prayer for you uh, in our congregation throughout the week. This can be anonymous. It does not have to be, Uh, but this is just a way for our church family to encourage one another through prayer and through love. And so we hope that you will join us in this act of love this morning. May all of us go to the Lord as we uh, bow our heads and as we sit in prayer this morning. God, our hearts ache this morning. You have seen and you have been in the midst of Parkland, Florida, this week. Lord, we pray that you would give us hearts of compassion, that you would give us hearts of love. Lord, as is so often true with many issues in our society and in our context, this issue in Parkland, Florida, has become politicized, And Lord, no matter what end of the political spectrum that we fall, may each of us as Christ followers reach into our hearts and recognize that this is not the time for a political issue, but that this is a matter of lives being taken. Oh God, how our hearts mourn for those who have lost their lives. For the families of children, of students whose lives were taken senselessly, Lord, we know that as a relatable and as a loving God that your heart also aches. As we suffer, so do you suffer. Lord, we are grateful for your compassion and for the love that you show us. May you use our church body, our congregation, and the individuals that make up this congregation to know how we can reach out, how we can care for and love the community in Florida, our own community, and our fellow followers and non-followers of Christ around the world. Lord, you also know the concerns in our own hearts this morning. The struggles, the pains, the aches. And Lord, we lift those to you. We put our issues and our problems in your hands this morning. We put our faith and our trust and the only hope that we can have in you. Lord, we pray for hearts who seek peace in a world where it's hard to find, Lord, we pray for those in our congregation who are sick, who are dealing with illness, disease, cancer, and many other forms of ailments. We pray for your guiding hand, for your protection, There is a peace that only you can bring to those who are suffering and who are in pain. And God, we pray that that peace come. Lord, through the rest of this time this morning, may we continue to open our hearts, to open our minds, to be receptive of your spirit and of your presence in this place. Lord, we know that your Holy Spirit is here, and we pray that we would open our minds so that we can see it, that we can feel it, and that we can welcome it. May every word that we speak and every song that we sing this morning be pleasing and honoring and glorifying to you. May we never seek to build up our own kingdoms our own church's kingdom, but may we only seek to build up yours. Oh God, it is in the name of Jesus that we ask these things. Amen.
5: Our hymn is number 217, Oh How I Love Jesus, 217. If you are able, please stand and join me in singing. asked me to give an update on the pillowcase project from Friday night and I want to thank all of you who participated in any way, whether you sewed, pinned, pressed, prepared food, cleaned up, gave money, whatever your part was, I thank you for that. We had right at 60 people, 60 ambassadors if you will, all ages. Lila was our youngest, Reed and Irene were our oldest. And Reed said he could hear me when I talked about this before. So Reed, I hope you can hear me today. (laughs) Um, I had a phone call yesterday morning that literally brought me to tears about this project. This person said to me, I am so glad I came. She didn't come last year. She said, I am so glad I came. She said, I could not believe the spirit that was in the room the fellowship, the fun, the food, the range of ages. She said she loved it. She will be back next year. So I want to, and she also said, if we had that same spirit about every project of this church, we could move mountains. And I think that's true too. I think it's true. And I really appreciate what she said. Okay, how many did we make? We made 114 Friday night. We had, several of us had already made some, so we made it up to 177, and we will send two, we will complete, to, to, complete it to 200. We will send 200 pillowcases to Houston, Texas within the next week or so. 200 people that we will never know, we will never see, will be blessed as they receive a blessing from those of us who made those and we're sending them from boiling springs baptist church we're already making plans for next year if you weren't here this year i hope you will be next year so i just wanted to update you on that let's pray lord we do thank you for all your blessings for your love your grace your mercy your forgiveness for the opportunity to make pillowcases to go to people that we'll never see, but they'll be blessed. We thank you for continue to ble- continuing to bless us. And as we bring our tithes and offerings to you, may they be used for the furtherance of your kingdom here and around the world. We thank you and we love you. And we ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: you women of the choir. If you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to the chapter of 15th chapter of Luke verses one through seven. We were here last week looking at the lost son and this morning we begin with the first seven verses of Luke 15 looking at the parable of the lost sheep. I'm grateful for Ellen and the choir song and uh, Ellen helped us kind of begin to move in this direction with her children's sermon this morning. The words will also be on your screen. Luke 15:1 through seven. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you having a hundred sheep and losing one of them does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one who is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. beautiful hymn. The invitation stands each week as we gather. They uh, extended that invitation in in the hymn, come to Jesus. And I'm grateful that we can come to Jesus. We can come to Jesus in the midst of our anger. We can come to Jesus in the midst of our questions. We can come to Jesus with our worship and thanksgiving that at times can be overflowing. But yet we can come to Jesus with our sorrow and our grief. And the hymn does a great job of expressing many of those emotions. Let me ask you something. Are you ready for some good news? Are you ready for some good news, choir? All right. The gospel is good news. And this morning, you're going to hear the gospel. Last week, we were in Luke 15 and looked at the parable of the prodigal son. And like I said, this morning, we are in Luke 15, this morning, focusing on the parable of the lost sheep. Anyone here known for losing things? Let me see your hand. Put it up. Put it up. Yep. Okay, I would have to fall into that category. It's usually either my keys or my glasses. Uh, I think oftentimes if I have good light or if the words are big, I don't need my glasses. And so I'll leave them or, you know, or sometimes I'll just forget where I put them. And so it's, it's a constant thing. Heidi and Betsy hear it here at church. Renee hears it at home. Where are my glasses? But let me ask you this. How many would also confess this morning that you are not the one that, um, uh, easily finds where you're going you're, you're not good at directions you get lost easy raise your hand Put it, yes i see those hands some of you are waving waving them with enthusiasm and my wife's is really high right there and i would agree with that but um throughout luke 15 things are getting lost have you noticed that we're not going to look through all of luke 15 this morning but you got th- three things that are that are lost you've got a lost sheep you've got a lost coin that this woman searches the house over. It's a very important coin. And then you've got a lost son. But you've also got things being found in Luke 15. You've got the sheep being found, the coin being found, and the son being found who was once lost. And you also have great rejoicing. Some of you may not can relate to a sheep being lost, but maybe you had a pet one time that was lost. And you know what that's like uh, when that pet is lost to be looking for that pet. Some of you know what it's like to lose money. Uh, Hopefully we don't do that too often. That could put us in a bad spot, but I think from time to time we do that. We misplace a dollar bill or some coins and nevertheless we search and we're looking desperately for that. And last week, again, we looked at the prodigal son. Throughout Luke 15, things are lost, things are found, but then also great celebration occurs. Now, this is where I want to pause before I go deeper into the message this morning and just say some of the celebrations I can understand and some of them I'm thinking it goes against everything we think. I mean, we can understand celebrating for a lost coin, right? The coin didn't do anything wrong. The coin was just lost. It was our fault. We lost the coin and so we're looking for it and we get excited when we find the coin and so we might celebrate. But the idea of celebrating over, for the lack of a better term, possibly a dumb sheep, or a sheep aren't known to be the brightest, but yet, or, or any animal that goes off, part of us, that good parent, just like the prodigal son, part of us doesn't know whether we should immediately punish or embrace. It's like this tension that's inside of us, and I feel a little bit of that tension as I read these different parables in Luke 15. It's like, should we celebrate this prodigal son, or should this prodigal son be punished? We think about it from, from the human standpoint. I don't know what's been going on in your life this week, but today's message is a strong message of hope. And I really hope and pray as we've said already that you would allow the spirit to speak to your heart, to speak to your mind and to encourage you and to be challenged. I don't know where you are on your spiritual journey. I don't know if you haven't even begun that spiritual journey or whether you maybe have just begun or maybe you began that journey a long, long time ago. There is a message here in this parable for you and I this morning. The first two verses of Luke 15 tells us that there's a great offense to the Pharisees. Jesus is found eating with tax collectors and sinners. And in this culture, for one to celebrate, it's not, hey, let's just grab a bite. If you're eating with someone in this culture, you are approving of and are friends with and are camaraderie and you're you're in the same boat with this person. You approve of them, they are your friend. And so into this setting, Jesus sits down and shares a meal with the most notorious sinners of that day. Also in chapter 15, verse one, we read that all the tax collectors and the sinners were drawing near in order to hear Jesus. Why, I might ask. What is it about Jesus that attracts tax collectors and sinners? I don't know too many people who are living a life of sin and are seeking me out or seeking out other pastors in our area, or any pastors for that matter, or seeking out religious leaders in the midst of their sin. But yet that's what's going on here with Jesus and these sinners. They're wanting to hear Jesus and they're wanting to talk with Jesus. And Luke provides an interesting message. Jesus seeks to bring sinners to repentance, it says in chapter five, verse 32, but not once, not once, does Jesus actually scold or correct a sinner Instead, he eats with them. To a Pharisee, to have any dealings with such a sinner was forbidden. He was not to go on a journey with such a man. He was not to have any business transactions with such a man. He was not to sell or purchase merchandise from these individuals. The Pharisee or religious leaders were to take no testimony from such a man. They were not to trust this, such a man with any secret. They did not appoint him guardian of an orphan in the case of parents deceased, deceasing. A Pharisee was forbidden to be the guest of any such man or to have him as a guest. It was the job of a Pharisee to avoid any contact with such a man, but yet Jesus eats with such a man. These men are attracted to Jesus and they want to be near Jesus. Can you imagine how shocked to the core they were when Jesus frequented with such people? Commentator Barclay says, the strictest Jew would have not rejoiced with any sinner who repented, but would rejoice with a sinner who was obliterated before God. These are strong words. He also says, the religious leaders sadistically looked forward to the, not to the saving, but to the destruction of the sinner. For Jesus to welcome such sinners was to break rank with the religious leaders of the day. So into this setting, into this mindset, Jesus begins to share with them a story. And not just any story, but a story about a shepherd. A shepherd was considered still on the bottom caste of jobs. If you think about a caste system, it was the low low end of the totem pole in regards to work. But he shares with him a story about a shepherd. And a, a shepherd who had 99 sheep and lost one. A shepherd's task was hard. And it was often dangerous work. We've talked about this before. And many of you who have been in church longer than... A year or two, you've heard sermons and teachings about the stories of shepherds and the difficult task that a shepherd has in caring for his sheep and going ahead of his sheep, making sure that the pasture is comfortable and it doesn't have poisonous plants for the sheep to chew on. And there's all kinds of things that a shepherd must think about as he is shepherding and leading his sheep. One of my favorite books, I've referenced this before, is A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. That's the name of the book. A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23 by Philip Keller. And in this book, he describes this job of shepherding as being very difficult. And he also writes about the incredible relationship that forms between a shepherd and his sheep. I've learned with a herd this large, it was common to have, traditional, um, ha- common to have additional shepherds. He most likely left the other sheep in care of another shepherd and went ahead uh, and, went, and, and went after the one that was lost. A shepherd was personally responsible for his lost sheep. A shepherd was an expert at tracking, when one would go off tracking those footprints for miles uh, through the hills, from what I have learned this week. The value and the worth that shepherd would place on one sheep is noted in this passage. You can't help but notice the obvious as you read this passage. The value and the worth, again, that the shepherd placed on the sheep is noticed in the passage. Jesus gives us an incredible image of God here, which leads us to our first lesson from this parable. God places great value on the least deserving and we are called to extend the same care to such people. Jesus places great value on the least deserving and we are also called to exhibit the same care to such people. Being valued in love changes things, doesn't it? You think about that in your life, think about maybe parents or teachers or coaches or people that have been a great influence in your life. And because of their love, maybe you were beginning to go down one path in life because of their consistent, unconditional love, it changed who you are sitting here in the pew today. You would not be the same were it not for the unconditional love of your parents who continued to love you and guide you in the midst of your rebelliousness, in the midst of your going your own way at times. And yet that love has changed who you are today. What the parable of the shepherd and the sheep show us about the character of God is that God is a seeking God. He's not a passive God that creates things and steps away from it, but he's a seeking God, not a passive God who's waiting for people to come to him after their lives, after they get their lives together. How many times have have you heard that? Or I've heard it as a pastor. I'm going to get involved in church when I begin to turn things around in my life. God is a seeking God. God is coming after me. He's coming after you. He's coming after us today to live in a relationship, not down the road, but today. He's saying, come as you are today. I want to know you. I want to live in your life. I want to be a part of your world. And I, want, and I am seeking you and pursuing you in a relationship today. He is proactive. God takes the initiative to bring people back regardless of how lost they are. The God revealed in Jesus Christ is a caring God who values even those without value and seeks them out. He values those without value and seeks them out. Here lies the cutting edge of this passage. Jesus embraces the very people the rest of religious society rejects. Do we as Bowling Springs Baptist Church in 2018 have the courage to to take sides with the underdog and welcome them into the fellowship? of Bowling Springs Baptist Church? And when we do, do we have the ability to rejoice when they can come and when they do come to know Christ in a very real and personal way? Can we welcome those who are labeled here at the beginning of Mark 15 as the sinners and as those tax collectors? And we could go into all kinds of different analogies of what that would be and who that would be today. But can we welcome them? And not only can we welcome them, but what would we and how would we rejoice and can we rejoice when they come to know Christ as savior? Let us not forget the question that Paul asked in Romans 3:23. Who has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? What does he say at the beginning of that verse? All all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, which leads us into our second Point and a point that I want us to spend just a few, uh, several moments on this morning. No matter how righteous we think we are, it is only through Christ and his actions that we are found. And we repeat that. No matter how righteous we think we are, it is only through Christ and his actions that we are found. Acts four twelve reminds us, Luke also writes, the gospel writer and... Um, He wrote Acts of the Apostles, he said in Acts 4, 12, salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Luke references the lost as referring to the habitual sinner, the one who is caught up in sinful action so much so that the whole community knows about it. But in what other ways can we be lost? In Matthew 18, the Gospel writer Matthew tells us the same story but with a few different words. And when we read that, we can get the impression that he's talking about the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He's talking about those who claim faith in the one true God, but have begun to drift. In my studies this week, I came across a question that is at the, I think, center, or at at least a significant part of my sermon this morning. The question is, can you be righteous and still lost? A great example of this is the older son, the older brother of the prodigal. Jesus speaks later in Luke 15. He did everything right. He could have fit the category of being righteous, but yet we know that he missed the big picture, don't we? As we read all of Luke 15. So can you be righteous and still lost? Here's the thing, most though not all of the folks here today in Sunday church are far more like the righteous in these stories than the notorious sinners, at least I hope. Most of us try very hard to be good Christians and do the right thing. No amount of convincing us that we're really filthy sinners and then assuring us that God forgives us anyway is going to make a difference to our self-conception or behavior. But though we may be righteous in this sense, might we also be, again, lost? Listen to the following examples. Might the parents who want their children to succeed so much that they wrap their whole lives around sports games and dance recitals be lost? Might the career-minded man or woman who has made moving up the ladder the one and only priority be lost? Might the folks who work jobs they hate just to give their family things they've never had before be lost? Might the senior who has a great pension plan but little sense of meaning since retirement be lost? Might the teen who works so hard to be perfect and who is willing to do just about anything to fit in be lost? Might, well, I believe you get the picture. Is the church today filled with people who seem to have it all together and yet deep down inside are simply lost without direction? It's not that there's anything inherently wrong with being righteous, working hard and doing your best. That's what we teach our kids and that's what we strive to do. Showing up for church on time, all these things are good things. But ultimately, this only scratches the surface of who we are and what we need and hope for. Having it all together is great, but sometimes, if we were talking to our family, do we just simply feel lost? This could be a lost in the sense of salvation, but it could be a lost in the sense of, you know what? I've put my faith and trust in Christ, but yet I just can't find the meaning and the purpose right now. I'm just lost. The great thing is that the church is a place for all those who feel lost, amen? Both the sinner and the righteous. When we each acknowledge our sin and repent, God throws one heck of a party and invites all the angels to join in And celebrate. And after doing all of this, we're reminded that this parable isn't ultimately about sinner or righteous and not even about being lost and found, but it's about a God who is so crazy in love with you and with me that he would do everything, everything for us to come to know him. Like I said before, we serve a God who is seeking us. He's not a passive God, but God is seeking to gain your attention and my attention each day and every day if we will be open and realize the ways that God is trying to get our attention. Which of you, Jesus asked, would go to such lengths to search and find and then welcome back and celebrate? Truth be told, maybe or possibly none of us would, but God would. In fact, God does even now, putting all at risk to seek us out so that we can live in relationship with him. This is the promise that I get to share weekly from this pulpit. This is the promise that you and I as believers in Jesus Christ have the privilege of sharing each and every day through our words, through our actions, through the way that we conduct our families and that we conduct our business and the ways that we live our lives. We can tell the world that God loves them and that he is pursuing them to live in a relationship. You know what? He knows all your mistakes and he's pursuing you anyway. What a great promise that we have to tell all those in whom we live and come in contact with. Here's what I love about the stories before us now. They speak the certain truth that it is God's actions that save us and not our own. The shepherd was the one who went after the dumb sheep who decided I'm just gonna kinda, maybe he was following a grassy trail or something and he went off on his own, but it's God who pursued the sheep who strayed. It was nothing the sheep did in and of himself or herself to come back to the fold. Like the lost sheep and the lost coin, you and I simply cannot get found all on our own. We cannot open the door ourselves. How many of you have ever been so lost? You needed someone else's help in order to, how do you say it? Get found in order to be back where you needed to be. I think we can all say that at one point, whether literally or figuratively of life, we've needed the help of someone else to come alongside of us and help us to get back on the right path again. And I'm grateful for those people in my life. And I know you are as well. Can you recall being lost in such a way that the only way you could get found was by someone else's actions? With these simple yet profound stories, Jesus makes it clear about our last point. God's steadfast, never failing love seeks out the lost at all cost. Let me say that again. God's steadfast and never failing love seeks out the lost at all cost. These brief parables remind Luke's reader that this God that was proclaimed and embodied in the life of Jesus Christ is a God that is for the sinner and the outcast, amen? That is good news, church. The God that we serve is for the sinner and is for the outcast. He doesn't wanna condemn you, he doesn't wanna judge you. God loves you and he wants you and I to live and to walk and breathe in relationship with him as we go about our daily lives. Remember, the parable is about a seeking God, not a passive God. This undying love for the outsider is such an integral part of the reign of God that all of heaven burst into rejoicing at the repentance of a single sinner, even more so than over the 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Luke makes it clear both in the gospel and in the book of Acts that all are in need of repentance. Those inside the church may call ourselves righteous and those outside the church all stand in need of God's ever pursuing, never giving up gracious love. Church, that is good news. May we live for God, giving thanks for the steadfast love and the faithfulness of the good shepherd who never stopped looking for this one lost sheep and who never stops looking for you and for me to walk in fellowship and in relationship with him. This last week, We, uh, in the church year, we, I say celebrated, I don't know if that's the right word, we remembered what we call Ash Wednesday. We did this in such a way that uh, we combined with uh, Boiling Springs United Methodist Church, with Green Bethel Baptist Church, and with Garden Web University. And we had a small, uh, very meaningful service in the chapel inside the Tucker Student Center. And as we come together, we come together as believers in Jesus Christ, but we also come together as a community. We could come together, I was reminded this week in, in light of the sermon, we come together as a community who has people who would fit in what we've called this morning here at the beginning of Luke 15, the sinner category. These people who are notorious for their sin, they're known for their sin. Church is the last place they're going to be on Sunday morning. They're living a life that is very distant from God. Do they know God? We don't know, but it doesn't look like they do based on their actions. But yet we live in a community that has the sinner but we live in a community that also has the righteous, who at times can be lost as well. And yet, as a church, collectively, we have a message for both. We have a message for the sinner, and we have a message for the righteous that God is calling us and seeking us to live in a relationship with him. Many in our community come from good families, We have the resources that we need. We have the uh, ways to go about doing things when problems come. But yet, when it comes to our spiritual lives, where do you and I stand today in relationship with Him? Jesus is on the move. Jesus is on the move, seeking each of us, both the sinner and the righteous, to trust Him. To follow him. And have you and I done that? Have we put our faith and our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? And are we responding to the Good Shepherd who is searching high and low for you and for me, whether the sinner or the righteous? He's calling to you this morning. Have you responded? Let's pray together. God, I thank you for the good news that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that, Lord, your words are hope-filled. Father, they're words that want to walk with us and talk with us and commune and have fellowship with us. They're not words that want to condemn us or judge us or tell us how rotten we are. Father, we know that on our own. When we begin to think about who you are and who we are, Father, we know that we have fallen short. As Romans 3.23 says, that we've all fallen short, of the glory of God. Father, I'm grateful that when we confess our sins to you, you're faithful and just to forgive them and forgive us from all unrighteousness. That we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. The scripture says that we shall be saved. And God, that's good news. And Lord, we're grateful for the good news that we have in your gospel this morning. Father, help us to be people who share that love and share that message with others. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. If you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you've never responded to that God who is pursuing you, today is the day that things could change forever. I invite you to come and we can talk more about that. If you're here today and you fit in the category of the righteous that we talked about, who's just needing some direction, God is also pursuing you this morning as well to walk in fellowship and closer fellowship with him. Let's stand and sing together. If you desire church membership, I'd love to talk with you about that as well. Let's stand and sing, share his love, hymn number 567. Let me remind you to make sure to take that bulletin home since we're not doing all the announcements like we would normally do in the past weeks but take that bulletin home be aware of everything that's happening here this week at church and uh, invite you to be a part of things with us on wednesday and this next weekend as well here now following benediction now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory blameless with great joy to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now, and forevermore. Amen. Be sure to pick up a red heart.